0: Hello, I'm Mitchell Kaplan, and I'm very excited to be recording my podcast, The Literary Life, from the Miami Book Fair. This is our 35th anniversary, and we're going to have a very special time together as we'll be talking to some of the most interesting, important, and timely authors writing today. Writers like Tina Brown, Tiare Jones, Doris Kearns Goodwin, and Pete Souza. So join me for this special edition of The Literary Life, recorded at this year's Miami Book Fair. Welcome to The Literary Life. I'm Mitchell Kaplan, and it's my pleasure to be speaking to Lisa Lucas, the Executive Director of the National Book Foundation. Uh, This is the 35th anniversary of the Miami Book Fair, and there's no better person to talk to about books and about what we do then Lisa, so that we can find out a little bit about what she does. Um, Welcome, Lisa.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You've had quite a week. Tell me a little bit about what just went on.
1: It's been, you know, a little bit of a week. We did a few things, had a little party. Um, No, so it's National Book Awards Week. So we kick off, actually, with 5 Under 35, which is a celebration of debut author's under the age of 35, which should be explicit from the name of the program. Um, and we have a big celebration in New York, and that was really great. The authors were in town and, you know, dressed up and shiny, and Natasha Lyonne hosted that. And then um, we then have the National Book Award finalist reading. So all the finalists fly into New York for the awards because um, we don't announce the winner until live at the awards. The so nobody awards, knows so. until the night of, the minutes announced. Nobody knows that they've won. So we... Um, Bring everybody together and then do a public reading. So all I think it was twenty five of them, uh, because we added a category this year. Is that, is
0: that is that prior? That's the day before. It's you a day do the day before the
1: awards. So they all read, right. um, which is wonderful, and it's a packed house and it's energetic and super fun. And we had the um, the authors, the international authors, read in their own language, and then we had the translators oh, read in English. That's beautiful. And um, one of our authors didn't want to read, and she said, "Oh, it's too late for Polish." And the audience started chanting Polish, Polish, <laughs> Polish, which just seems to me like one of the best things that, that could have possibly happened. Um, and then we had the awards the next night, Wednesday. Um, so we had the which national book Big awards, to do. Big to do. We had about uh, almost 800 people sitting, uh, 50 press. Uh, a big party afterwards where young folks come in, and there's about. 400 people that come in for the after party. So it's like a whole thing. No, and it's just great.
0: And and I got, you know, it's live stream. Mm-hmm. I was able to watch it and then I was able to listen, you know, look at all the tweets about everything that was going back and forth. It's a real happening. You've, you the National Book Foundation and with your guidance have been able to make those awards a real event that really matters. And when you win that award as a bookseller, Mm -hmm. it really matters. I hope so. That's the point. It really adds to sales Mm -hmm. and it really highlights and, and raises the visibility of those titles immensely. Talk a little bit about, because for a lot of people, they've heard of the National Book Awards, but they don't understand the process, how it happens, the arc of the National mm-hmm. Book Awards.
1: So it takes Explain all year. That. You know, I've already started talking to everybody at the National Book Foundation about the 2019 National Book Awards. That's gonna be our 70th anniversary, which is crazy. Um, but so we start by picking the judges. That's like the most important part of the process in many ways, right? Like identifying people who have a broad, um, open-hearted, open-minded approach to reading.
0: How is that? How is that done? Is I it, always
1: say it's special sauce because there's no real there's great no real, way it's to not articulate a science it. No. I and mean, you have conversations with authors all year, you have conversations with booksellers, you have conversations with people who work in literature. Um so and you, you sort know. of feel out like how they read, what they read, you know, what their conversations are about it. So you sort of feel it out and then you use recommendations because you can't be an expert in everything, you can't meet everyone. And so we ask some trusted experts or people who've judged before to send us um folks who might be interested, and then the process of asking starts, which is its own thing because everyone's terrified. Uh, we got over sixteen hundred um, submissions this year for the National Book Award, and in five categories, and that means everybody has to read a lot. They get about six to seven months to read. Depending on when, so the do they actually
0: in. read each submission in their category? I
1: am blind to how it works. Uh, once we select them, so each them and they committee
0: receive books. decides to deal with how mm-hmm. they're going to handle it. We
1: ask that they do consider
0: each title meaningfully. Someone in the committee does. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, no book should ever go unread, untouched, un—you know—flipped through um, because. You know, we're really looking. There's gems everywhere. The thing that you didn't think that you were going to love, the hope is that the judges will pay attention to something that they know they're not going to love and then maybe
0: sometimes fall in love. So it's fiction, poetry, uh, young people's literature.
1: Nonfiction.
0: Nonfiction and translation. Mm -hmm. So there are five categories. There's five categories now. So talk about, okay, so once all those submissions come in, mm-hmm. then what happens?
1: So then we are pretty far away from the judging process. So we keep a real firewall between the foundation and the judges. We let them do their work. We trust them. Um, once we you know, nominate a person to be on that committee, um, they then are entrusted and tasked with this long tradition. They speak to former chairs, inform how the process went. So there's some continuity between years. Um, And then they read and read and read and read. And we don't really talk to them in depth other than, you know, guideline considerations, stuff that's like more logistical than it is about the content. Um, They call us right after Labor Day and they give us a list of 10 for each category. So we end up with a list. So
0: after Labor Day, there's the 10, Mm -hmm. which is the long list. The
1: long list. And then we give them about a month, and then they call us, and they give us five, and that's the finalist list. And then they meet for lunch.
0: Isn't it like right before the, the day
1: of the National Book Awards well, for the their final of. deliberation? Mm-hmm. And they, um, although some groups have been meeting a little earlier. And then just having a nice lunch, <laughs> which is a good hustle, and I respect <laughs> it. That actually makes a mm-hmm, little I respect bit of sense. it. I respect it. So, some of them have never met. They do everything by phone. Ooh, that's wild. So it's like sometimes it's the first time that they're seeing each other for these deliberations, and then the chair gets up on stage. So
0: there's a chair of each. There's a chair of each. And who selects the chair? The um, committee does. I do. You select the mm-hmm. chair. Of I the select committee.
1: the chair, and then the judges. But All so, at one time. So the
0: chair is kind of the, just oversees the yeah. process. Yeah, helps
1: make – and we are more in contact with them um, right. just like about how, you know, organizing information and making sure that they have like master lists of every book that's been submitted. We get a check copy of everything, stuff like What's that. What's
0: brilliant, I think, what you've done is the different places now you've chosen to announce the long list mm-hmm. and then the short list. This year it was?
1: Uh, this year we did um, the long list we did with The New Yorker again. That's been right. a long-standing partnership and has been a lot of fun. And it's hard because we're, we're pumping out lists every day. So it's like you can't really be on the radio doing the same thing every right. day. It's like, but The New Yorker has done a great job. They do these beautiful illustrations for each category. And they've been really wonderful to us. Um, and then this year we did the finalists um, live on uh, BuzzFeed's AM to DM, which is actually right. a Twitter show. It's a morning show that airs only on Twitter. Um, and we were with Saeed uh, Jones and Isaac Fitzgerald, and we did this really fun little bit oh, cool. where we just unveiled all of the well, And lists. you know
0: the way it works in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. We immediately, immediately need to know what those lists are mm-hmm. so that we put our orders in to yep. make sure that got we, don't, we yeah. got it before a reprint happens because mm-hmm. they immediately run out of stock right. whenever that happens. And that's, that's a kind of beautiful thing because, you know, book selling. And, and book, it's all about selection. Mm-hmm. And it's all about guides. Mm-hmm. And the National Book Awards is another one of those guides. Yeah,
1: and we try to be both a lens um, on something that you might have missed and that you should read, but also an organization that promotes reading. I was actually just reading this article about this food writer who had um, gone to Portland and identified a burger place as the best burger place in America. And the place closed. Right. Because and and so lists, it draws your eye to one thing, but then everybody does the same thing. And so while I believe in the awards and I believe in the identification of great, great literature, right, like stuff that you should have your eye drawn towards, you also want to always be making sure to draw people's eyes to all 50 books, to books in general, to the arguments that happen when a book you loved wasn't on it.
0: Well, which brings us to our relationship and why you're here in Miami. And that's the one thing that I always felt as well. When we started this relationship, it was to invite all the Mm long-listed people because, you know, there aren't really winners and losers, so to speak. It's a matter of highlighting what's really, really good Mm -hmm. this particular year.
1: Absolutely, and how broad it is. What does that
0: mean for you, the relationship of coming to the Miami Book
1: Show? It's incredible. So you know, our finalists come to New York for the dinner because we have to have them there because one of them might win, right? But the long-listers aren't here. So this is the first time every year that I meet the whole crew, or a significant portion of it. And it's beautiful because you get to hug them too and remind them that they won, that they did a beautiful thing, and that their work matters. Because I think that sometimes it can feel a little awkward at first. that's but exactly then you have right. this incredible event where everybody's in beautiful Miami and everybody's just meeting everybody and feels like a part of the crowd and the audience is just as excited to hear from a long lister as they are from a winner because it's like these that's brilliant always, geniuses. That's
0: what always excited me that that after someone might not have won that night, they go off into the dark night mm-hmm. and that's it. But now they, they get to come to the sun of Miami yeah. if, they haven't, Absolutely. if they haven't won. And, and they should never great. go
1: into the dark night. Never. You know, I mean, it's like those books are like I always joke and I'm like, you're my family now. You know, I walk around bookstores looking to see who's going to be my family, you know. That's right. And they are. To me, you know, that's my work family.
0: But your mission of highlighting and, and and supporting reading goes beyond just these awards. So, mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about the initiatives, some of the remarkable initiatives you've started as sure.
1: well. Sure. I mean, I guess the two places where I feel like we've really worked towards is like, right, like if we celebrate books every year, but we don't build new readers, like who's going to read the, the books next in 10 generation years? Of readers. You know, who's going to care? Or, you know, who's going to keep the National Book Awards alive? Um, so, we do programs that try to bring people into the fold. Some of that is educational, and some of that's public programming. On the educational front, sometimes it's distribution. We've given out this year almost 700,000 books to children and families in public housing around the country. We were in 19 different states, 37 different communities. Um... Our public programs are just kicking off. We sort of housed everything under NBF Presents. Uh, we were always doing some. No, public I know. Programs. You were in
0: Portland this year mm-hmm. and you've been doing yes. other events. So the
1: Mellon Foundation came in and supported did us. They. Fantastic. And so we're kicking up what we were doing at colleges and universities to like something like 40 events a year. So we're going to community colleges, we're going to libraries, we're going to book festivals, we're going to presenting houses and subsidizing tickets um, for different groups or organizations that wouldn't necessarily have an opportunity to come to an event. Perfect. Um, and we're just going all around. And that's just all that is about building readers. Sometimes seeing an event with an author that you never heard from, but you know they're really compelling, it's like, oh, maybe I'm going to pick up that book. That person was, I'm picking up what they were putting down.
0: They, they often do. And if so, you're, often if you go to see one person and another person is there, you may discover the other person, mm-hmm. which is really wonderful. It's amazing. And, and, you know, you... You have a, a very interesting history. I, I knew about you before I knew about you. I mean, I used to read Guernica magazine and you were the, uh, the editing, you were the, the publisher, the publisher of Guernica. Uh, tell me how you got from, from, from the first part of your life to Guernica to here.
1: Yeah. So it was like a little higgledy piggledy. Um, I, uh, started, I've always worked at nonprofits the whole time. Um, my first, Full time job out of college was at Steppenwolf Theater Company, um, in the development department. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I've always really cared about supporting the arts. My dad was a musician. Um, I never wanted to make things. I always wanted to support them. I look, like, just for whatever reason, I think when I was young, everybody's like, you're going to be a musician. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to be behind the scenes.
0: You're a producer at heart. Yeah, I'm
1: a producer at heart, for sure. I Actually, really, definitely. That's exactly how I would describe myself. Um, so I worked in development. So I did some fundraising. I went to a, th- a youth theater company in New York and moved back closer to home um, and did marketing and special events and development. Development. And then I ended up getting a little sh- part-time gig at the Tribeca Film Institute in the education department, because that was kind of where my heart was. And I stayed on for seven years, became the director of education, left and sort of loved what I did, but I never really found like my home in film. It just I loved my work. I loved what I did. But it just when I left Tribeca, I was sort of like, who am I when I grow up? Like, what am I gonna be when I grow up? And um, I loved books, I always loved books, I was always a reader at at Steppenwolf I used to walk across the street because we had to cross the street between buildings and I'd always have a book in my hands um, and everybody who's ever known me has been like Lisa was trying to make me read this book and I just loved books I once interviewed to, or interviewed I tried to become a Paris Review intern right after I graduated college oh and they my. didn't take me uh, um, and so I went lost. in a different direction and made my way back anyway, right? But um, so so anyway, I left. And then I just volunteered at the Brooklyn Book Festival. And I volunteered at Guernica because it was an all-volunteer-run organization at that time. And I just um, loved it and started meeting agents and editors and people in books. And, and it just like every day I felt like I met somebody new or learned something new. And I was like, this is it. I never want to do anything else that doesn't have to do with books. I love it so much. and um,
0: It's a fabulous world.
1: It's the best. I, like, I honestly, not, you know, love or money couldn't pull me away at this particular moment in my life because it just feels like the best place to be. And uh, yeah, so I just, I, I ended up volunteering and learning a whole bunch of stuff. And, um, and Guernica was great. I was there for three and a half years.
0: I'm with the book lover, Lisa Lucas, the executive director of the National Book Foundation. And you're listening to Literary Life. We'll take a break. We're back. This is the Literary Life. We're at the 35th edition of the Miami Book Fair, and I'm speaking with Lisa Lucas, the executive director of the National Book Foundation. Let's talk books. What are you reading? What are you excited about? Can you? You know, I know it's I, hard. now that
1: the awards are over, I start feel compelled good. not to read. <laughs> Anything awards related for like just a couple of days. Do
0: you actually do you read a lot I of them? I try this? to. Read I did not list? get through
1: all of them and I will get through them over the year. I'll keep picking them up, but I just felt like it was like time to give myself a little break. Um, so I'm reading uh, Notes from a Catastrophe, the Colbert book.
0: Yeah. Colbert? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Colbert.
1: Um, so I'm reading that. That's the book that I brought with me to Miami, which seems fitting, <laughs> yes. given that climate change seems given, to be impacting uh, the yes. city here uh, more than many places in the United States. Well,
0: it opens up with Miami, mm-hmm. I think, a big view of Miami. Mm-hmm. Just about every climate change book opens with, with Miami with as is <laughs> zero. Which must be so comforting. It's very comforting. <laughs>
1: so that's what I'm reading but I'm so this was a great year for books you know and it's also a great year coming so I'm reading early like a lot of people are reading but um, Mitchell Jackson has a book coming up which is going to be fantastic Colson
0: Whitehead's book looks amazing
1: amazing super excited for that it takes
0: place in Florida as well Mm
1: -hmm. Valeria Luiselli has a book coming fantastic um, Layla Lalami has a book coming yeah. which is going to be excited the other Americans I think so it's just like so I are you sent families. a
0: million gala you're like a bookseller I get a lot sense. yeah I get a lot a lot of books mm-hmm. talk about the winners this year who do, can, do, do you have them over the top yeah of yeah so, so one in fiction
1: uh Sigrid Nunez um for she the did. friend which is super 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 exciting um you know I kept saying, I have a feeling about this one. I'm feeling about this one. Um, And it's just a book about this woman who has kind of a long-time relationship, friendship with this man who's a little Me Too-y. And um, when he dies, he sort of inexplicably leaves her his dog. Um, And it's funny and it's smart and it's, you know, it's actually like a pretty small book. Yeah. Um, which is nice because sometimes people are intimidated by the big ones. Now, in nonfiction, you have um, The New Negro, uh, right. which is a very comprehensive biography of Elaine Locke. Right. Um which is definitely a little daunting, but also fantastic. Um, I actually like, as a like a black woman, like feel, who feels like she knows a little bit about the Harlem Renaissance. I had never heard of him, and he's like one of the architects of the Harlem Renaissance. Fantastic, like super complicated, interesting figure, and it's beautifully written. Like you, you sort of see the book and you think, oh, it's a big biography of a historical figure, and it's like the books, the awards remind you that it's beautifully written too. Like you don't win a National Book Award if it's like great facts but not, not really well, well put written. together. And it's just—it's stunning language, really beautiful. Um, "Indecency" is the title that won for poetry, um, which is you know stunning debut, I believe. Coffee House Press put it out; it's their first National Book Award winner. Which is really
0: wonderful to Mm -hmm. see small presses being acknowledged Mm -hmm.
1: as well. And then you have the emissary by Yoko Tawata, which is our inaugural translated literature. I can't wait
0: to read that. You
1: know, I have not read that one yet, yeah I'm looking but it's like dystopian to and yeah. wild and Tawada is a great author and i'm super excited about that that i think is going to be like my like my thanksgiving like treat <laughs> is that i finally get to read the emissary um and then for young people's literature is the poet
0: acts yeah that she um, was she was at the bookshop mm-hmm. and it was amazing
1: she is amazing when she read I, the first time i heard her read we do teen press conference which yeah. we do here in Miami right. but we do it in New York as well and I was watching the live stream from my office as we were frantically getting ready for the awards and I was kind of like you know typing and doing whatever and then I just heard this voice
0: I know and it
1: was just like I was struck silent
0: was, I think there's a you know when you think about it what's happening with teen literature right. now Is energizing an entire generation of kids, middle schoolers as well as early high school kids. Mm -hmm. We just uh, had Jason Reynolds, I just saw him here give Mm -hmm. a talk to a room full of kids, Mm -hmm. and they were, they were absolute, these were 12 year olds who were completely relating. To everything he was talking about, he's so captivating. And when it, when you can do that, the mission of creating the next generation of readers, it, we are well on our way to doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. I really do. I think it's. I think we're having. I know everybody's sort of like books are, the sky no, is falling. Never. The sky is falling. I have to say, I do feel like we are in a like a moment of real strength.
0: Yeah, I think I think those of us. Those of us who are involved in this world mm-hmm. understand that more than anyone else. I mean, I see kids coming into the bookshop all the time. you see people you know you 're dealing with young you know uh, young adult writers mm-hmm. and as well as adult writers. you know the crossover now is no longer you know that well the line is not demarcated mm-hmm. as closely between what 's for young kids and what 's for adults. Yeah. in fact, we put our young adult books in the fiction section, yeah. yeah, you know, right next to it. So I love the
1: that... Jason Reynolds books, the middle grade ones. No, they're I love them. I like books. missed my train stop the other day. Do you know Better Nate than ever? Yeah, those books, yeah, the yeah, Nate yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. I like. I'm obsessed. Oh, fantastic! I love the Nate books, and I'm I'm a grown person. Yeah,
0: no, no. I read a, I read a bunch of stuff like that too. Lisa, this is terrific to talk to. We have to be a little truncated because I've got to get you on stage. Yes, thank Talk you for Talk about what's going to happen on stage real We're, quick. I'm going
1: to interview a whole lot of authors. I'm going to make sure that they don't read over, and then I ask them one very smart question, and I'm going to wear hot pink sneakers.
0: You are? Mm-hmm. I can't wait to be there. <laughs> Lisa, thank you for being here. Thank you. This is A Literary Life. I hope you like what you heard and that you'll please share your review on Apple Podcasts. And also give me your feedback at Books and Books on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to my weekly conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Revolver.com. I'm Mitchell Kaplan. Thanks for joining The Literary Life.